Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. You guys feeling good? Feeling like you got three more weeks in you? No, no one's got three more weeks in them. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for making the time to come uh, at a busy time of year, especially. And uh, yeah, so we've been going through the Gospel of Mark and RUF now for 11 weeks, which means we're getting to the point in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is now headed toward the cross. So if you think of uh, the Gospel of Mark leading up to this what we looked at last week when Jesus goes on the mountain and is transfigured before his disciples. Uh, from this point onward is the, kind of the second part. He's headed to the cross to die. And that's where we pick up. So uh, as we read this, know that he's on his journey uh, to the cross. And we're going to read 10, starting, chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Let me read it for us. Uh, And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children's and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Uh, Let me pray for us as we look at this text. Uh, Heavenly Father, we Uh, need your wisdom to make sense of your word, and uh, we come uh, from a lot of different things this today and this week, uh, and uh, we pray that no matter where we're coming from tonight, that uh, you would apply it to our hearts, uh, that you'd show us your truth, and that your truth would set us free. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Tonight, I want us to kind of have the big question hanging in the background of what does God want from you? I wonder how you would answer that question. Probably a lot of different answers that we could give to that question, but uh, this is a 
passage that we're in the, in the background uh, is this idea of what does God really want? What does he want from you? And maybe you've asked that. Maybe you've said, God, what do you want from me at a time in life that was hard or just in general? Or maybe you wonder about faith in God at all and you say, well, what would God actually want from me if I put, were to put my faith in him? And to get at the answer to this question, Mark in his gospel shares this story of Jesus interacting with a rich man. And it eventually becomes a conversation about wealth and money. And you might be sitting here thinking, like, I'm a college student, don't really have much money. Does this apply to me at all? And, uh, you know, there's all, we all have different amounts of money, and um, we often don't think of ourselves as wealthy. But I want to suggest that, you know, whether or not you are wealthy or not, monetarily, uh, we all have forms of wealth, like time, uh, free time, resources, relationships, and there's just a lot of different forms of wealth. But also the reality is that almost half the world lives on less than $2.50 a day. And 80% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. So if you live on more than $10 a day, then you're actually quite rich in relation to the rest of the world. And so in many ways, we're a room full of wealthy people. And so uh, as we think about what God wants from us, I also just want us to think about wealth. Uh, how should Christians think about money and wealth? And, and um, we're going to look at it under two headings. We're going to look at the problem of wealth in this passage, and then we're going to look at how Jesus frees us from wealth. And so, first of all, the problem of wealth. Um, Jesus is on his journey to the cross here, and he gets stopped. It's amazing that he takes the time to talk to this guy. And in verse 17, the guy said, the rich young man says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, he answers in a kind of a weird way. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. And what he's doing there is he's... Uh, kind of playing along with it. Like, this guy is asking the question in a way that's like, hey, Jesus, you and me are kind of like, we're kind of on the same page, right? Like, good teacher. You know, I know what you're all about. I think I'm about it. And he's just trying to kind of kiss up to Jesus a little bit. Uh, But Jesus is like, okay. Uh, He says, you know the commandments. Uh, and so he allows the conversation to continue on this man's terms. Like, you want to talk about what you can do to inherit eternal life? Well, you know the commandments. And he lists some of them off. And the guy says, the rich young man says, oh, I've done all. I've kept all of these commandments from my youth. And then it says, Jesus looking at him, loved him. And then he says, give everything away. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Follow me. And it would be easy to read this uh, just at face value and be like, well, this, Jesus must be saying that money is bad, wealth is bad. Jesus wants us, anyone with money, to just give it all away. But I want to suggest to you that what Jesus is saying is actually more radical than that. Uh, and uh, as the story progresses, Jesus, uh, it says that the rich young man is disheartened by the saying and he goes away sorrowful. And... After all that, after that interaction goes down, Jesus is back with his disciples and he says things like how difficult it is to get into the kingdom of heaven uh, for those who have wealth. And it says the disciples are amazed at how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus goes so far as to say it's as hard as a camel going through the eye of a needle. 
And I want us to think about why they're amazed. Like, why are the disciples amazed at what Jesus is saying? And the reason they're amazed is because this guy had it all. He was a rich young man. He had his life together. Everything looks good on the outside, and it's not enough. And saying being good is not enough for God. It's not actually what he wants. And Jesus goes so far as to say it's like a camel going, it's, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And some people look at this passage and they're like, Actually, there was a gate in Jerusalem that was called, maybe like it was called the needle. And so for a camel to get into the gate, it would have to like duck its head. And, uh, and that, that's what it's talking about. And that's not true at all, first of all. Uh, because, and the reason it's not true is because the disciples respond. They're, when he says it, they say like, who can get in then? Like it's a way of saying it's impossible. It should be impossible uh, but I want to suggest that the problem isn't money in and of itself. Jesus is saying that the problem with money or wealth isn't, is that it makes a problem that we already have worse. It makes a problem we already have harder to overcome than it already is. Uh, you may uh, be familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous and other recovery groups like them. Uh, I have a friend who's an alcoholic, a recovering al- alcoholic, someone in recovery, and uh, you know, it's been a long, long time since he's had a drink. Like, he, for over a decade, I don't think he's had a drink. And, uh, and yet he still doesn't go near alcohol. And that's kind of the name, that's kind of what you do when you get addicted to something like alcohol, is that the rest of your life you just stay away. Like, if you recover, you stay away because you know what you're susceptible to. Um, and what Jesus is saying is that a wealthy person inheriting the kingdom of God, eternal life, you know, getting eternal life, is kind of like an alcoholic overcoming their addiction at a bar. That makes sense? It's really hard. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, it's next to impossible. Like, alcoholics can, in many cases, never shake this condition that they have. And and they're definitely not going to be able to do it surrounded by alcohol. And the Bible teaches that we all have an addiction, which is an addiction to self. And we're specifically addicted to this idea that I am all I need. Like, I want that idea to be true so badly. I am all I need. And the problem with that idea is what it does. Uh, When we think of sinning, like, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word sin, but usually I think we think of, like, doing bad things. But when God thinks of sin, he thinks of something worse. He thinks of loving the wrong things. And then what loving the wrong things does to you. That's when when the Bible says sin, that's what it's about. It's loving the wrong things and then what that does to you. Uh, So when I love myself more than anything, that's what will make me treat others poorly. That's what will make me steal and cheat and lie and murder and whatever else is out there. Uh, that's what will make me anxious and worried and self-consumed uh, because the, the root problem is I'm not, it's not about what I'm doing, it's what I'm loving. I'm loving myself. And loving myself makes me love money. Uh, makes me love wealth. And loving money makes me love myself. And it's the cycle. And so the problem with being wealthy isn't wealth. 
like money isn't bad. The problem with being wealthy is that it can reinforce the lie. I'm all I need. See, look at all the money I have. And if I'm all I need, then I'll miss out on life entirely. I will miss out on what life is truly about, which is life with God, life with others forever. And so that's the sickness. And all different kinds of wealth make it harder to deal with. Uh, so I want to ask you guys, what are you surrounding yourself with to give yourself the illusion that I am all I need? Uh, what are you surrounding yourself with uh, to give yourself the illusion of self-sufficiency? You know, maybe it's grades, right? If I, it's great to get good grades, but not if it's feeding this notion that, yeah, see, I'm all I need. Uh, having money and opportunities and resources is really great, but not if the result is that you forget what you were made for, that you forget that you were made for God, if you forget that you're as, as dependent on Him as you are on oxygen. Uh, so, uh, as you think about that stuff, I want you to think about how Mark writes that Jesus loved this man. It's really interesting that Jesus lo- it says he loved this man, because right after it says he loves this man, uh, Jesus shows him that he's a failure. It says, I, Jesus, it says Jesus loved him, and then he showed him that he was a failure. Uh, you can't, in other, he's like, you can't do anything to inherit the kingdom of God. And that just means a lot for us. Because what it means is that God can be kind to you while showing you that you're a failure. If what that's doing is leading you to despair of yourself so much that you say, you know what, I'm not all that I need. I need more. I need him. So if you feel like a failure, it may mean that God's actually at work in your life. Or failure or heartache may be God's means of awakening you to this notion that, no, I'm not all that I need. I'm not enough. Uh, so that's kind of the problem of wealth. But I want to look now at how Jesus sets us free from wealth and what we, how we see that in this passage. And uh, to be freed from the hold that wealth can have on you, you need to see that there's a big irony in this story. The big irony is that there's actually two rich young men in the story. The first one that we've been talking about. And there's another rich young man who is Jesus. Jesus is young, right? He's younger than me in this story. I'm pretty young. And uh, so what this means, like this is a conversation between two rich young men. And man, and the first one, he can't bear to give up this addiction, his self-sufficiency. And if we're honest, we're all just like him. You know, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I can do it. He's using religion to make himself feel like he measures up because he's driven by love for himself. It's not getting him anywhere. The self-love, is, it's so much worse than breaking like one commandment because it's the reason you break all the commandments. And here he's trying to prove to Jesus uh, that he's worth it, that he's got something valuable. And Jesus tells him to give it. He's like, okay, like... Let's see you give everything away. And he can't do it. It's too much for him. And yet he's still being like, I, I uh, keep all the commandments. And it's, you know, like I have a son who's two, Asher. Many of you have met Asher. He's the man. And uh, Asher's thing right now is washing dishes. Washing dishes. And like anytime we're washing dishes, he's like, oh, can I help? And sometimes he just like brings like a stool up to the kitchen sink. And, 
and he's up there washing the dishes and for him what that means is like running water aimlessly and uh and at the end of it he's like i washed all the dishes and we're like awesome dude you did but like we're not going to eat off those dishes right that's what this man is like he's like i've kept all the commandments and jesus is like okay yeah sure it's not even close and like religion like taking this only religion approach of like what can i do to make god happy with me is just like my son being like i did the dishes like we don't need you to do the dishes asher like we're so much better at it than you are like you don't even know what you're doing okay so the second rich young man in the story so that's the first one the second one is is jesus right Uh, jesus is wealthy on a scale that is unimaginable because he created the world, we believe. Uh, so he literally has everything. And he gives it up to become a man to live among us on earth. And that's not even the most astonishing part. But even more astonishing is what he gives up at the end of his ministry uh, that we're quickly approaching as the semester goes on. Uh, but let's go back to the first young man. Okay, after Jesus challenges him, he says, give up all your wealth and follow me. He, the rich man can't do it. And in verse 22, it says he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions. And we never, it doesn't say, like, what happened? Okay, now fast forward uh, to the end of Jesus' life. Uh, so let me read this something from Mark 14. Jesus spends his final hours... Uh, before he gets arrested with his disciples and they go to this place called the Mount of Olives which is right outside Jerusalem and at the end of the time he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane at the base of this mountain to pray and it's about half a mile from where he'll be crucified and this is where we see Jesus said is most human and I just want to read it for us Um, from Mark chapter 14 It says in verse 32, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible... The hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Did you hear what Jesus said? The true rich young man, Jesus, says, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. And then he begs the Father, Is there any other way than me dying? for us to save your people anyway but giving up this my Jesus's greatest treasure was that he had been with the father for eternity is there any other way for me to than for me to give this up for us to save them and there's no other way there's no answer and so Jesus says not what I will but what you will and he gives it up he abandons all the riches on behalf of his people to make them who they were meant to be. People that know God, people that experience his love, people that walk with him, and he does it because we cannot do it. 
Because you know, that was the only way we could have life to be brought in. It was the only way we could be cured from this addiction to self that runs so deep. And so what does it mean for us? Um, some, of, some of you, some of us, some of our lives are lonely and sad. Maybe you're caught up in sin and destructive patterns that you can't get out of. I want to ask you, what do you actually love? What is it that you love that's not God? That's making you live in all these ways that you were never meant to live. There's others others of us that are constantly down on ourselves and feel like (coughs) failures all the time because we're not living up to who we think we're not. We're trying to be better, but we're not really making a lot of progress. And to you, Jesus says, Come be part of my kingdom of failures. Like, the kingdom is for failures who experience the deep love of God. People that know they're not all they, they need. Because it's only when you know yourself as a true failure that you can even begin to love, truly. That you can begin to experience life as it was meant to be. And no matter who you are, the cure is Jesus. When you meet this true, rich, young man who gave up everything... To have you, stuff like status, comfort, a healthy bank account, it just starts to become less and less the main thing. Uh, you'll stop being as concerned about what you have to do to inherit eternal life or be on the right track or have the approval of God because Jesus already did it all. And what you do, the good that you do, will just be this outflow of already having it all. You'll, and you'll be able to give away more money and more other stuff than you ever thought possible. Like Christians are called to give a lot. And it's not because like, it earns God's love. It's because God's love is so great. Uh, you won't be so self-consumed all the time. The way you manage your time will change. Your reputation won't be as important to you. Because what you have is the thing you cannot lose, which is the love of Jesus. It won't... It won't be to get anything because you already have him. So I want you to think about that question again. What does Jesus really want from you? What does God want from you? The answer is he wants you. He just wants you. And he can never actually have you until you're freed from the notion that God's holding out on you. That God is mean and he just wants you to grovel back to him. He wants you to earn your way back. Unless you're freed from that, you'll never come. He'll never get to have you unless you're freed from this notion that, you know, I'm all I need and God's kind of mean and I'll just, like, keep him at arm's length. Uh, If you're freed from the notion that, like, God really wants you to earn your way back somehow. Uh, I'm married. I've been married for almost eight years now and you know, the way I think about this is like, you know, my wife and I made vows to love each other forever. I want you to think about how annoying it would be if I was like, if I gave my wife flowers and I was like, so will you love me forever now? She'd be like, stop. Like, why are you doing that? You know, like, do you, do you like that I like cleaned out your car for you? Did you notice that? She'd be like, why are you doing that? I already promised to love you forever. Like, 
like it's so annoying when people try to earn our love yet that's how we often treat god and like we're always constantly asking god like what can i do to make me what can i do to make you love me forever i mean i'm just thinking about myself right what can i do what can i do i want you to love me forever and that's why wealth is so important to us that's why failure hurts so badly it's all about us it's me 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 and in response jesus says i've died for you already which means I do and will love you forever. I don't want anything from you, but I do want you. I'll stop at nothing to have you and make you who you were meant to be. In other words, Jesus is the one person who's made his life about you. So you can make your life about him, about other people, about his world. And if that's what your God is like, then money, no money, it doesn't matter that much at all. You know, what, whether you know what you're majoring in today or you won't find out until like three years from now, it doesn't matter that much. You know, whether you're single or married or married in like 30 years or never married, it won't matter that much. Either way, because you have him. That's what true life is meant to be like, is to be set free. And so uh, in closing, let me just pray that God would set us free from uh, especially our love of self. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we uh, are so much like this, uh, the first rich young man. And uh, we confess that our view of you is skewed. Uh, we often view you as uh, one who's keeping us at arm's length, one who uh, is only disappointed and uh, kind of mean and that we can earn our way back to. And uh, we thank you that Jesus uh, shows us who you really are, uh, which is someone who will give up everything to have us. Pray that we'd be transformed by that. Pray that we would be people who give liberally uh, because of that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Let's.